Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where we put ourselves and our guests to the test in this rugby debate format. Now, it is important to be able to first off introduce everybody on screen. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities, alongside Scott, the big guy Ferrara, Rob, the hammer hammerschmidt, and Brianna Kim, who more importantly is coming here as the MLR authority as a sideline reporter. And more recently, I can say congratulations on your appointment as the head of development in the academy program for OGDC. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ty, and thanks so much, guys, for having me on the show. No pressure here. No problem, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, you're, you're the consummate professional. We're just right. the amateurs. <laughs> That's one way to put it, I guess. We'll right, see. Right. Like, we, we were debating shirts in the beginning of the show, what we should put on them. My favorite was the rugby rant, three guys who think they know about rugby. <laughs> but you certainly are an ambassador for the sport in many different ways and it's a pleasure to be able to have you joining us here and uh you know i also wanted to be able to take the opportunity to remind everybody while we have a chance uh, that what we do is brought to you in part with the help of, of our sponsors at shop mlr and more importantly the guys backing it at of course the uh, uh the rugby shop.com talking about uh, a rugby gear uh, so, Rob, what what are you sporting there? I actually haven't seen that one before. That's my well, favorite shirt on the show. Rob, you're looking great. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. I wore it in your honor, Brianna. I really Traitor. do. I want to make you Traitor. feel comfortable as our guest on our show. I feel so welcome now, so there you See, go. And, and meanwhile, some others on the show who will not be mentioned by name uh, mean to make people feel uncomfortable. I'm just saying. Uh, but Absolutely. Del, this is an awesome uh, polo, uh, the OGDC polo. I really thought this was cool. It's a nice piece, has the stripes, has a couple stars on it. Really gives you a, a feel, uh, gives you a feel like you're a true American when you own a piece of uh, a piece of gear like this, you know, and that you're representing our country in some way. So um, I picked this up, uh, Shop MLR. Um, I, I believe these are sold out, though. So. Huh. Uh, Great you sales get, pitch there, Rob. Yeah, you have to get to well, <laughs> really awesome, but you Look, can't it, have it. it. Oh, what that means is you got to get your gear while you can, right? Absolutely. And, That's true. That's true. And, and so they do have some other gear from OGDC. So get that stuff while you can. They've still got jerseys. I believe they have some hoodies and some. Uh, they don't have them in extra right. large because I was going to go with the hoodie, but they they have some hoodies and I think large and the smaller sizes and then the big boy sizes like Scott Ferrara uh, can wear. So. <laughs> Well, you can never, ever have too much rugby merch, right? That's uh, our philosophy. Yeah, true. So let's, so let's true. dive into to what's important here. And we want to remind our viewers here on the Rugby Rant, as we said before, we are the rugby debate show. We put ourselves and our guests to the test. On this format, on this occasion, it's going to be slightly different because we decided collectively to be able to pick this topic this week instead of going to our usual source of our fans on uh, online and asking them Instead, we decided as we're now moving towards well into the second half of the season here, uh, we've got a good reflection of the talent that's out there on the field. And of course, it has been raised to a new levels this year. So we're going to be able to sit here and decide who is our top 15 of MLR All-Stars so far. Now, how it will work is each of them are going to be given their opportunity to be able to put forward five players as their best picks, identifying first up, 
His five choices will be Scott Ferrara, who will be doing his positions one to five. Following that will be Rob Hammerschmidt with his positions six to ten. And then finally, rounding us off in this particular segment will be Brianna Kim, who will be sharing her best 11 to 15. It will go to open format after that to be able to discuss these players that they have recommended as the best of MLR so far. And I cannot stress it is so far because there is obviously a lot of rugby to come. But a few of them have shined brighter than some of the others so far. And that's why we're here to be able to highlight those guys. And each of them will be given their opportunity to speak. And we're going to hand the mic first off to Mr. Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself. Tell us who you think is your one to five. Let's get hot, baby. So I'm going to start uh, with, with, with my one, uh, JB McIntosh on the AGs. Uh, he's been a powerhouse all season, um, you know, their their engine room down in Austin is really good. Um, and he's anchoring it over at one. Obviously, I got to take my man Butch, uh, Dylan Foss at the Butcher at Rooney, uh, top hooker right now, uh, playing lights out. Just had two tries against uh, the Free Jacks uh, this past Sunday. Um, and then actually to round out my front row, I'm picking an OG. I'm picking Stevie Longwell. Um, I think he's been one of the best tight heads uh, coming in on the scrum side. Um I think if he can get the ball in hand a little more, it will just solidify that he had the, the best uh, beginning of the season. Um, my two locks I'm picking, uh, Nate Brakely from Rooney again, you know, stalwart guy, guy whose work rate's insane. And uh, Johan Momsen from Atlanta, who another guy who's been killing it, kind of like Nate Brakely. You know, they're doing all the little things right, plus they're doing their own jobs. And then just really some honorable mentions. Um, uh, Sam Malolo, Utah, uh, at hooker. Um, he's doing really well. You know, if, if Butch wasn't scoring a lot and, and kind of as important as he was to Rooney, I definitely would have picked Malolo. Um, the, the, the tight head thing, I got into a lot of arguments with my friends, we, you know, when we were going about it, the tight head thing. Um, so I'm going to say Dino Waldron is, is my honorable mention, although my friends were telling me I was wrong. Uh, to go with Steve, and I should have went with Dino. I think Dino's better ball in hand, but honestly, I felt Steve was better scrummaging this year, or so far this year. And Patty Ryan, the last five matches, has has come on to help uh, uh, McIntosh. And as you could see, Austin's um, has been playing better. Uh, you know, offensively, they haven't been scoring as much, but their their scrums have been winning more percentage of the scrums the past five games. So Patty Ryan's coming on. Um, and my last honorable mention, um, I'm going with a lock, uh, Jackson Thebes. He's he's just been lights out. Uh, for the free Jackson and a big bright spot for them up front. Uh, and pretty much, I think that that's about, uh, and you know what, I'll give, I'll give another one real quick. Uh, James Rochford, Rocky uh, for Rooney honorable mention, you know, again, his, it's about him scrummaging and less about the ball in hand for him. Um, you know me, I love the scrums. I, I got, I got to give it to my scrum guys. Right. So obviously you being uh, one of the, uh, the front rowers yourself, it was an easy subject matter for you to be able to pick your one to five, but I wanted to also give everybody a, a, a better understanding of how we're kind of grading our, our ranters here today. So I had written down a bunch of names that I'm hoping to be able to match when they <laughs> tell me. So, so Scott's tactic was say everybody that's ever played rugby. <laughs> there you go. No, I gave, no, I gave my top points. Just remember I gave my turn. I gave my top five up front. And then I just told you who my honorable mentions are. So I don't I expect don't you to grade the, the honorable mentions. Said. This is okay. like, you know, Jamie, Ty, this, Jamie this McIntosh, is... Dylan Foster, okay. Steve yes. Longwell, Nate Brakely, yes. Johan Momsen. Ty, okay. this is just like one of those school tests where they're like, list two answers. And then he just writes five because he's like, yeah, well, yeah. two of them got to be right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 
Well, I, okay, listen, so if I didn't second guess my if I didn't second guess my picks, would I be a proper debater and ranter? Let's be honest. If I had five solid picks, right? In in this, yeah. especially especially going with the Eastern Conference, when where teams are up and down every other week, like how could you like how can you have a locked in five? Well, I mean that's the difficult thing, right? And so I did put two or three names in anticipation that you guys would say something different, and I had a point to agree with you, but I didn't expect you to give three names for every position. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Ty, I think, I think he should at least get bonus points here because I'm pretty sure he still got all of those names in under two and a half minutes or so, so there's got to be gotta Brian, be. Brian, I don't there. think you know how to <laughs> make it any does. easier on him. <laughs> I was just giving him some crap earlier, so no. I feel like it got to be equal here. <laughs> Okay. Rob's all just right. trying to catch up. I'm so far ahead of Rob. He's doing everything in his power oh, to, to beat me. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So let's okay. let's let's reel it back for a moment. <laughs> okay. Because you did get some 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 really interesting stuff in there. Obviously, uh, you know, you it, it, like you said, it is hard to be able to pick your best five. You got a lot of great names in there. I've got some notes that I'll share coming at the end because you did hit a couple of the ones that I definitely do agree with, and I'm pretty sure people at home would agree with those names. But yes, there are a lot of other ones that are could be uh, just as qualified or just as 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 worthy as well. But let's find out from Rob what he thinks about positions through six to ten. Tell us what you think. Yeah, I debated whether this should be six or ten that don't play for the Giltinis or if I should <laughs> them because, I mean, quite frankly, they're play, playing really well. And and inevitably, I just went with the best, you know, best guys at their position in the whole league, right? Um, so at number six, I'm going with Angus Cottrell from the Los Angeles Giltinis. Hard, hard to argue with seven tries. Um, he's tied for second in the MLR as a weak side flank. It's pretty impressive. Uh, 542 minutes played in nine games. That comes out to 60 minutes per game, and he's played in every game uh, through nine weeks of the season. Um, 396 meters carried, five turnover poaches. Uh, and for me, he's a linchpin between the forwards and the back, somebody that really is available for an offload and somebody that's always there to receive an offload. So that's why I went him at number six. Number seven was Lucas Rumbaugh. And I know, uh, you know, uh, I might make um, the big guy quiver a little bit here uh, because Lucas is that a pun because it's arrows quiver pun. It is. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, uh, uh, you might make him a little bit salty because, you know, he claims that Lucas poaches balls on his elbows and stuff like that. But quite frankly, it's hard to argue with somebody that's around the ruck all the time and puts himself in the position to steal the ball at the ruck. It's what a good number right. seven should do. And quite frankly, is one of the best in the business in the MLR. He's made team of the week for three weeks, week one, week five, and week six. That's pretty impressive out of the nine weeks we've had so far. He's in, been in the team of the week one third of the time. So I'd go with him on open side uh, at eight. Uh, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, my guy, Cam Dolan from the NOLA gold. And, um, Look, objectively, he has scored four tries this year. Um, 136 lineouts won the tops in the league, Noah is, and that is attributed to, to Cam Dillon because he's the quarterback at the lineout. He controls the lineout. He gets a lot of lineout wins for the team, uh, and that serves as a basis for a lot of set, you know, for their set piece and then uh, from, from plays from there. Um, and, you know, I distinctly remember, I think it was against uh, Rooney where he had um, – Oh, no, maybe it was against um, 
I can't remember. Maybe it was against Toronto. He had an incredible poach right at a critical point in the game that ultimately Toronto. allowed them to secure the game. Yeah, uh, right at the end. So to me, he's he's my guy. Um, love I love Cam Dolan. So uh, I'm at number eight. At, at here's where I I struggled. I a lot went of good with, choices at nine, just like yeah, anything else, right? Yeah, a lot of good choices, but ultimately for me, I went with a pairing. And okay. I, I'm going to give an honorable mention that also came as a pairing too. So I'm going to go with Harrison Goddard, uh, Goddard and Matt get to it. Nine, 10 combination. Obviously that's an important combo to have two guys that really work well together, but I mean, their stats prove it out. I mean, Goddard has seven tries tops in the league tied for second, in the MLR. He's a catalyst for their attack. Um, predominantly because of such the, the speed at the ruck and the, the, the quickness to which he gets that, that ball out. But also it reminds me a lot of TJ Perinari in that he's all, his nose is always around loose play too. He's always there for an offload, always there to get the ball in, uh, you know, in hand and make a break through a gap. So I really like his, his play as a number nine. And of course, you know, what can you say about a guy who's been capped what 120 times for, um, for the Wallabies, Matt get to 24 conversions, number one in the NMLR, 62 total points, number seven in the MLR. He engineers a high-powered offense. His flat passes are perfectly timed to hit the, you know, for for guys carrying the ball to hit the gain line and break the gain line, which is a an important piece for them for go forward ball. Right. Um, and that's that's intricate. And the only uh, game that the Giltinis had lost the season, he wasn't playing. Right. I'm not saying right. he's one man machine. Right. But right. it, you know, right. they're, they're you know, it's that binding force that just that a special source that they have when right. he's on the field. Right. And when and Houston had them on the ropes for a good portion of the game. And why was that? Well, because not not no disrespect to Cardi. Cardi's a hell of a player, he's a great poop, but he's not Matt Getto. He doesn't he's not the engine behind that high powered high octane offense. Now, for my honorable mention nine ten, I love me some Danny Sutsatala and some Robertson. They are a phenomenal combination. I think they've done some great things together. Uh, Tusatala has seven try assists this, this season, number one in the MLR. And, of course, Robertson has is, is got a great boot, 13 penalties. I think that's number one in the MLR. So um, how could you go wrong with either one of those 9-10 combos? I think, I mean, first of all, thank you for doing your homework. Um, <laughs> I love stats in case uh, those of you who don't know uh, watching at home. Uh, the MLR app is really a great source to be able to get some awesome information. Uh, the stats that we have available now is better than any season before. And clearly Rob has used this to his advantage to gain some, some, some cool points and make some great arguments as to why those players were chosen over others. But as you so rightly pointed out, some positions, it's, it's about the combination of players rather than the effort of one player themselves. So I'd like that, that additional element you added it to, to it there. Um, so I'm going to, I made a note. I gave you a plus one. <laughs> so for no reason. plus one for no reason. No reason. What do you mean? It's a perfectly good reason, by the way. Right. For, I mean, for I, no re I think, I think for that's no what reason. it was though, is you, 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 you kind of framed it well. And then you offered a reason that made sense to me because some combinations are better together than if you had to remove one part of that combination, they might not be as effective because it's about that unity. It's about that partnership, right? I mean, but are we picking, are we, are we picking the best combination of players? Because at that point, then I'll change my whole front row. 
you know, well, and just are you picking the best Gruden. player at that position? Are you playing? <laughs> See, my point is, are you stop, picking? That's why I brought stats to the table because my stats be picking? support. Okay, my well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, all right, you want to talk Nakato at sixty-two points or Dan Hollins at eighty-seven points? And maybe if you brought points. some stats to the table, we'd feel a little bit better about your combinations too. First of all, you don't, you you barely understand the dark arts, so let's start with there. And let's point out Dan Hans had at eighty-seven points versus Macatos sixty-two points. So you want to talk about stats there? I'm not, and I'm not saying Hans head was the they best. Try, he, what I'm saying is you're going on to try under the post, and therefore you get the going, benefit of kicking the extras. Why are you going on the best pairing? You got to pick the best person. Who is the best guy? Not the best well, pairing. I think, I think, because well, they work the best. Let me put it to rest. So Rob had mentioned two names, Goddard and Gitto, right? Now, I had men mentioned a few names for each position based on the fact that there are going to be differing choices, right? And then if you had hit one of them, it was going to be that. He just happened to hit it for 9 and 10 that I had written down. And then the additional layer on top of that was the combination of them. Now, maybe that's an obvious one because it's the Giltinis, and we could look at even more examples of that. But more to the point, your rant is over, and it's Piranha's turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'll kick it off at number 11. I think this one is just pretty uh, pretty much an obvious choice. DTH Van de Merva. I mean, he leads the league, eight tries on the season. He's just a phenomenal player to watch. I mean, obviously, we can talk about how entertaining the Giltini attack is, but you can always count on Van de Merva to always get on the point with get on the board within the first 30 seconds to the first few minutes. I mean, clearly he's excelled at every stage of the game and that's no different here at MLR. Now, number 12, I'm going to go with JP Duplessis from NOLA Gold. You know, I want to give a, a little shout out to Ben Lesage from Toronto because I think he's also had an excellent season. But look, yeah. JP Duplessis has really lived up to the hype that was coming in the offseason, right? The biggest trade in the offseason coming from San Diego. And for good reason. I mean, he leads the team. I think, first of all, you always are going to look at attack because it seems to be more exciting, right? One of the best when it comes to tackle breaks. He's good with the boot. and But most importantly, you got to look at the defense side as well. And I think that's why Nola has been so successful this season right. is because defensively they've been so staunch. And when you look at his tackle rate at 91%, I mean, with several dominant tackles and turnovers to add, I mean, like, that's no question for me. I mean, I think Nola's defense comes so is led by him. Um, and I think offensively, you know, he's just as staunch as well. So that's for my choice for number 12. Number 13, I'm going to go Dougie Fife from the Free Jacks. He's got 51 total points on the season. He's scored six tries. He's had an absurd number of ball carry meters. I think it's something like 781 meters. Not to mention, you talk about the breaks. You talk about 12 line breaks, 13 tackle breaks, and he's fantastic with the boot. You know, I unfortunately distinctly remember when they were playing Old Glory down here at Segra, and twice he had just that perfect, he was involved in just the perfect little, you know, stab the ball through and, and score the try. I mean, he, like, look, he's agile, he's a playmaker. A lot of that comes from his experience playing Scotland 7s and 15s. But he, again, if you look at the Free Jacks and the wins that they have had, he is an important cog in that. So... For 14, this is, I think, where I've had the most difficulty here, and I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, you know, I I was debating between Ross Neal of Seattle and Bren's Robert Sanana of Old Glory, so I'll talk a little bit about both here. I mean, when you look at, you know, Seattle and what they have had success with, it's been giving the ball to Ross Neal and getting points on the board. That's, that's, <laughs> that's you know, clear as day, right? And um, But then you look at Renata Robert Sanana, and 
you know, the stats, if you look at them head to head, you might think that Ross Neal has, you know, the better numbers on the board. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it doesn't quite all come down to stats. And, and that hurts me to say, Ty, don't worry, because I love stats as well. But, you know, there's more there's more to it than just the numbers. Right. And yeah. not to mention that Ross Neal has only played wing for about half the season, not to mention that Seattle hasn't really been able to get any outcomes. And when you right. look at old glory, D.C., you look at the wins that they've had. And even though Renz maybe doesn't have all of those numbers, he still has been so important for them. I mean, just, just the other week, he started an amazing try that came out of, you know, him fielding the ball in their own 22 spotting space right behind the line with the perfect chip kick and that Doug Frazier finished, right? He's not going to get any credit for that, but the way that he works off of the ball and the way that OG has been performing, he is so important to their attack. And so 414, I'm going to pick Roberts Tanana. And finally, to round us out here at 15, I think this is a little bit more obvious for me here, but Mike, you got to go with Mikey Teo from the Utah Warriors. Six try assists. He's third in the league for ball carries at 102. He's second in the league for meters made on those ball carries. And I mean, he's just been absolutely electric, not to mention he's third in the league for tackle breaks. I mean, I was just talking about Renz. You talk about someone who's really propelling his team forward and getting those points on the board necessary for his team to win. Utah's been winning because of Mikey Teo. There, there's no way around that. Yeah. I mean, those are all, first of all, excellent points. But gentlemen, how is that delivery? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First rate. Uh, First rate. Like I said, we're the amateurs and we got the pro here. And I think we just got schooled. <laughs> well, we still got 20 minutes of debate, so we'll see. Right. Well, no, here's a couple of things that I did want to mention. Obviously, I love the fact that you got a great balance and you pointed it out because it is important. As much as I do love the stats, it doesn't tell the full story. Um, as you pointed out, maybe it's a new position. Maybe it's only part, uh, you know, the season that they played that role, but it's really about that, that something else that's about it, but their makeup and their recipe, your know, work rate on the field, their playmaking ability, the rugby IQ that they have that might be far superior in one position than in another position, or do they just have that IQ no matter what position they play because they're that versatile a player, you know, those players are perhaps the most valuable to a coach, right? Because you can see them in multiple positions. And rugby has developed to this. You know, if you rewind 20, 25 years, you, you des were designed for one role and you did that role and that was your mission and that was your, your task at hand. Rugby's become such a more versatile uh, uh, player positions and it's developed in its professionalism that players have to be skilled in many different skill sets, right? And, and perhaps these 15 that we've outlined personify that best that you know dth could probably just be as successful on the left as he is on the right because he's that player that's searching for the ball he comes off his wing he finds the opportunity he runs the right line because he's got that rugby iq he's got that intellect that has grown with him having played overseas so those names that you mentioned there are all fantastic names just a few honorable mentions i might add to your list brianna um Ferre from uh saber cats fantastic right um also another great finisher great playmaker um to 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 rob's delight i'll say carl mayer right um you know in great positional play um great experience in the field you know these are elements that they're just um, they're, they're entrenched in the teams and they're anchors in the team as a result and 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 might i add his boot to get them out of out of bad positions right. deep in the territory has been incredibly important i think we've seen the weakness when he's not in the lineup the last two sure. weeks. Yeah. And I, 
and you want to talk about a boot? I think we missed um, Joaquin Toussaint uh, at the fifteen. I think his the two things he gives uh, Toronto is one those booming exit kicks, which I witnessed yeah. firsthand when they played Rudy. <laughs> and then secondly, his counterattack to find the space is a like it's a he he's like a man among boys when he gets the ball and he see, has his vision to open up that uh, counterattack offense. You know, because and I think that what happens is because he has the boot it kind of stalls the defense a little bit on, on their rush up to the game line. And that opens up big holes that he finds to get. And, and don't get me wrong. He's not really scoring the points. You don't see it. And even the try assist, sometimes he's that third pass. You know, he's the first pass out of three, but he's setting everybody else up to have a clean break down the sideline. Right. And these are all valuable elements of the game. And in fact, when we try to be able to help people recognize and friends that are watching the show here, Hopefully you walk away not only having learned about some of the star, uh, started uh, a cast that we have here in MLR through what we consider to be the best of the MLR so far, but they also learned some of the key responsibility of these players. So Brianna, I'll deliver this question to you. If you had to pick three key positions that somebody new to the game should be watching for and players that represent that to you right now, what would those positions be and some of those players? Well, I think the first, the obvious one, or the obvious two, rather, would be the halfback combos, right? Rob already talked about this, the nine, the scrum half, and the 10, the fly half, because those two, you know, if, if you were to compare it to an American sport, right, those two are like the quarterbacks for the team, right? So they are driving the attack, they're controlling the pace of play on attack, and then on defense, they're really directing everyone, you know, telling them where to line up, where to mark up, anticipating the next phase of play, probably earlier than the rest of their teammates. Um Robbie, did you want to add something to that? Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I, I just wish Ruben de Haas had gotten all nine, uh, all eight games in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, for me, as you talk about number nine, Ruben de Haas last week put on a, a display of what, for me, a prototypical number nine will do. And of course, his wealth of experience at the international level was on display. Right. And still so young at like, what, yeah. 22, right? Yeah, and he's like, he's, he's, the he's 24, <laughs> but... It was but perfect Saracens cool. play with the box kick, too. Yeah, it, but yeah. he had, like, four box kicks that really got them, mm -hmm. A, out of bad situations, and B, a couple of them put the Giltinis on their heels. And I, I can't say enough about his positional play. I just wish that he would have been able to play a full season with the, uh, the Gilgronis. Yeah. Well, I think you're you're also missing – sorry to cut you off, Brianna, but I think you're also missing, you know um, – Nick Boyer moving to the to the SaberCats and, and yeah. doing what he did and you know not be, having a chance to play at the Giltinis, getting moved to a team and having immediate impact where I mean they they put up you know thirty something points and then Carlo Denison uh, being coming in at the number nine and not having the support in the back line because you had you know D uh, Dylan Audsley go out with a freak injury, uh, Nate Osberger was out with 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 injury and you had a young nine trying his best without the support and and. I don't think his play shined as much because the, you know San Diego were were in those injury woes, right? So I wanted to be able to return to the to the core question there. So we identified uh, nine and ten being key uh, decision makers, playmakers, important to the makeup of a rugby team. Uh, what would be another position, Brianna, that you might mention? Well, really quick, I just wanted to add to something, Rob. I thought that was a great point. Um, uh, I'm sorry, actually, Scott, I think it was you who brought up the uh, the move of Nick Boyer. I mean, that's, that's oh, just right. a perfect example. But also, you know, looking at Old Glory, I mean, you know, as, as you guys mentioned, Danny Tustala and Jason Robertson are, you know, what is really driving this team forward. But at the same time, you know, 
these two guys, they, they were outstanding last year. And I think this year they've been great, but I don't think that they've quite been at the top of their game at times. And I think when that happens, you start to see old glory tend to struggle a little bit, right? Especially right. if Jace is facing injury or, or battling an injury, you know, you see that affect the team. So I think that's why those two are so important. You know, this third one for me, I, I think it could be a couple of different positions here. I mean, I think that the hooker is really important, but I, I, I want to argue somewhere in the back row, probably at the eight man, just because obviously it's got to be somewhere in the forwards to help drive that scrum, but especially, yeah. uh, you know, the breakdown to me is so important, especially defensively, right? And if you don't have guys, you know, like Angus Cottrell, Lucas Rumball, or Cam Dolan, you know, another name I'd want to throw out there is, you know, uh, Jamma Fontana Schultz, who I think is having a great, mm -hmm. a great career or a great season thus far. I mean, if you don't have guys that can disrupt at the breakdown, slow down that ball, your team's never right. going to turn over that ball. So I, so I think for me, I'd yeah. argue eight, but um, interested to see what you guys think. I, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, any of those, those poachers um, and, and, you know, the importance I want to drive home for those that are not quite familiar, the breakdown is one of those areas you need to dominate to be physical at. You need to disrupt the quick ball and the Giltinis have been so successful because they managed to recycle those balls so quickly right and we've spoken about that the, the key to, to stopping you know teams that like that is just getting bodies in the way getting hands on the ball being a menace and uh, eight seven and six you know those are all key players in the back row that, that this is their role one of the other names I, that i was excited to be able to watch earlier this season was gibbons callum gibbons right we had the privilege of uh interviewing him uh just as he he came to ogdc and, uh, you know, another, another great example of somebody who's a veteran of the sport at some of the highest levels. These guys are a part of that, that important makeup um, in the scrum, as you said, that is driving everything forward. But also just those turnovers, so important. You know, mm -hmm. they need to be first at the breakdown. And he's a great example. Cottrell, you mentioned some really great names. So, what are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I wanted to add, like, uh, some of my honorable mentions. I know Callan Gibbons is one of them. And I think it's more... Um, the intangibles that he brings to, to Old Glory. Right. And I think it's his leadership, his physical toughness. Of course, because um, he feels a player coach role because um, that some people might not be aware of. Exactly. And then the other guy that I really like, and I think it's a guy who could show up on the Eagles shortlist, right? Um, very soon, Jason Dam from Rugby ATL. Mm -hmm. You're right, uh, definitely. A, I mean, he is an absolute physical menace with the ball in hand. Yeah. I was really impressed with his play. Uh, when they played Nola, and I've been impressed with them uh, when they played Rooney as well. I really like his style of play. I think, it, you know, when when um, Cam hangs him up, um, I think he's a guy that could take over in his shoes and really perform really well. Right. Yeah, no, so, it, it was – that he, he's he, – if I had to if I had to choose your your uh, your your eight, I would have had trouble with him and, and Dolan, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So remind me, did anybody mention O'Keefe? For rugby A2L, I mean that would probably be my pick at thirteen. Then who's been phenomenal? He's really come I mean, on in the last four. Yeah, games. He's right. And and them. you know it's kind of and and that's you know I mean peaking at the right time, right? It's better to be able to do it later in the season than just at the start. Um, you know another one, Carlsa for rugby ATL, um, another great addition. You know, kind of coming into his own later in the season. Um, so you know players can make a great impact even though they might not have been there the entire season they might arrive at the exact time that that team needs them or you know all the pieces of the puzzle suddenly fall into place because you got the right combination and that was the missing piece right so this, this as you said i don't know who said it but there's so many intangibles to be able to measure and so really this is really uh, all subjective but we have well, now yeah. put forward 
what we consider out to be our best all-star MLR so far, right? And we encourage you as the viewers at home to be able to tell us if you think we're on point, way off, and here's what you think. Uh, make sure that you drop a comment on our social media, whenever we post this, let us know. We'll be happy to be able to meet you in argument on a further episode. <laughs> but uh, that's what it's all about is to spark debate. The more we speak about rugby, the more we show that we enjoy it. It's a sport that's fueled by passion. What we and everybody on screen here, I believe I speak for them as well, is uh, believe that this is one of the most beautiful games, if not the best game around, because it installs so many great values in those that enjoy it and those that participate it and those that support it, right? Uh, all of these players are great ambassadors for the sport. And where the MLR is right now is so incredible to be able to see how far it has come in such a short time. And I'm sure everybody here would echo that same sentiment. But let me ask you, what are some of your thoughts overall for the performances this season? I think certain players have had better performances based upon how the teams have set them up to play versus maybe um, actively doing something. Um, you know, And you guys were talking about the loose forwards before, but you, you got to look at if you don't have the loose forwards to, to cover those breakdowns, a lot of, a lot of teams are using locks. Um, you know, Josh yeah. Ferno coming back for San Diego. I know he missed the first couple of games, so he was a little off. I'm going to, I'm going to assume Josh Ferno in the second half of the season turns it on, especially in the lineouts. And that's something that you, you're, it's unfortunately with a lock, you're born with height. You know, it's, it's, you're naturally born with the height. You can't teach height as a lot of people say. So I think it gets lost for the new fans on, on that portion. But I think the play is, has, has been great. I think you're seeing ebbs and flows in certain players uh, uh, play week to week and, they just need to gain that consistency that other professional leagues have. And I think we're almost there. I, and, and I'd like to add, I think injuries have really impacted teams ebbs and flows too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you see teams having to take players and move them out of a typical position uh, to, to, as injury cover, um, you know, uh, we've seen that in Houston where they've been shifting Sam Windsor around from mm -hmm. 10 to the midfield and then back to full. He might play prop soon. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so, you know, I think part of their woes have been in partly contributed to the fact that they haven't really been able to find the consistency in their lineup due to quite a few injuries. We saw that with San Diego, for sure. Um, they had a lot of injuries in, in, in those games right at about uh, the quarter quarter mark season. And now they've got some guys back. They're really starting to show some improvement. So um, that's one of the things I've noticed is, is perhaps depth is, is the things that some teams right. struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. I th I think when you look at the first nine games that have happened, I mean, you could argue that the first four or five games, I mean, there were some really fun, some really fun rugby to watch, but it was the preseason for them, right? We didn't right. have a preseason because of yeah. the pandemic. And unfortunately, that means that these teams have faced so many injuries. I know that San Diego, like you said, Rob, just now, and, you know, Seattle, they've been decimated yeah. with so many injuries. And that's just, that's just what's going to happen when you, you know, don't have a preseason. And so, you know, in these next, uh, in this next half of the season, it's going to look a lot different. And I think you'll start, I mean, we've already seen the identities of each team kind of come out, but like you said, the depth is so important and that it's going to be very different to see how these players perform because, you know, some of like the starting 15 that you might see starts for the same team every single week in and week out, like guarantee you, that's not going to be the same 15 that's towards the, that's going to, no. you know, appear at the end of the season. It yeah, and will some of that continuity be broken up because of international service? Oh, yeah, you know, in the absolutely. Second half? And that, that's well, the thing. 
yeah that, that will be disappointed to see it like and scott talks about rooney um you know how many of their players we may see not in the lineup as a result of international play right we had the opportunity to be able to discuss that very same thought uh, a while back um however if you're trying to find the silver lining it means that there's plenty of opportunity for other players to step up and show what they're made of right and uh, that's where we can identify how much depth there is in these teams so let's uh, let's put a pen in it now. And I think uh, we, we've said what we needed to say. We've shared our thoughts. We've given our top 15 of this MLR best so far. And now I needed to be able to remind everybody that we need to pick a winner. But, but before, before you do, Ty, hold on. We got one more thing we got to do. What's that? We got to talk about the passion part of rugby that uh, you mentioned before. Right, And we know that Rugby Coffee, one of our sponsors, was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we begin to make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits in giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys at Rugby Coffee are taking pre-orders for three distinct brews, Jouet, Jouet, Champions Cup, and Crowd Favorite. Each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby is a sport can inspire communities and bring hope and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game. It's a way of life. What better reason to enjoy a cup of coffee when you know that a piece of it goes to growing rugby somewhere in the U.S. and Canada such a special message and from special partners help make our show possible for us to be able to continue doing what we love, which is sharing the game of rugby. Because as you know, here on the Rugby Rant, we aim to help grow rugby one fan at a time. And you can, of course, take the opportunity to learn a little bit more about us by following us online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course on TikTok once again under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can also find us weekly on the TRN every Friday with a new debate, as this one here has been an interesting one, but we mm. do need to crown a champion. So, once again, we did it a little bit differently, and each person told us their best five from the positions one to five, six to 10, and 11 to 15. I also then, uh, away from the show, wrote down a whole bunch of names, and now I put the tally together, and the one who I believe more closely resembled my picks, because it's all about me, um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, on the rugby rant, you know, the points mean nothing. It's all about the bragging rights, and the bragging rights go to Mr. Rob Havishmit one more time. Bam! Typical official knows nothing about the dark arts. Typical, <laughs> put that in the Hudson River and stir it around a little bit, Scott. Typical, typical official. We'll start calling the Thai, uh, Thai Mike Lash Braga. That's what we'll start. Uh, out of yeah. curiosity, <laughs> out of curiosity, what what's the uh, that's the record here? Well, who who has the most wins so far? Um, I do. My ass, that's true. Yeah. Yes. So Scott is overall champ, but Rob is now reaching a, almost on a streak. He's got two in a row. So you know, it's 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 an eternal oh. battle between them. Um, and we always hope to be able to have somebody like yourself kind of mix it up. 
Um, and I will add this just because I know it will hurt Scott even more that I would have put you in second there, Brianna. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Ty. <laughs> again, appreciate it. Again, that just shows you Ty has, has no idea what the, the first five guys do ever on the field. No, that's not true. I have played hooker in sevens. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And, and I was 100 pounds when I was six. I'm just saying. <laughs> Still counts, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what? Once again, it has been a blast. Uh, Brianna, we'd like to be able to give the floor to our guests before we head out of each episode. We know that you're, of course, a great advocate for rugby and everything inside it and everything that it encompasses. But here's the floor to be able to send a shout out to anybody important, a special message you want to send. Here's your opportunity. Oh, man, you didn't warn me about this, Ty. I couldn't prepare for this. Yeah, this is the hospital pass. You didn't oh, know it was man, coming. Here we go. got to run with it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, the season has been great so far. And I think, you know, anyone that's watching the show right now, clearly you're a fan of rugby. You're a fan of what rugby is like in America. So keep soaking it all up. I think there's lots of great people in and around this environment who are happy to share, you know, the gospel that is rugby. So, you know, keep sharing this kind of, you know, content with your friends, with your family. Most importantly, I think above all, as, as restrictions start to lift, go to games, right? Show your support live because there are a lot of people who wish they could be at these games every single week that can't be, right? But that's the only way that we grow these grow this league, right? The guys right here, but that's the only way that we grow this league is to, you know, get butts and seats, you know, get the revenue going because we have something special here and uh, it's only going to get better from here. Right. I, I've said it a hundred times before, but I'll say it one more time because it does ring true. Uh, it's certainly building on what you said. You know, to be a supporter of rugby is very simple buy a ticket, bring a friend or family, buy some merch while you're there, get a beer from a team sponsor, you know, all these things. We're not asking you to be able to start a rugby team. We're just asking you to be able to support it in the way that is convenient to you. And collectively, it all makes the difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, it has been a stellar opportunity to be able to share rugby with you here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And before we head out, a final reminder that you can, of course, find our content on social media at the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can find new episodes of new debates each week on our social media, in addition to its new home on the Rugby Network, where you can see us every Friday with a new rugby debate. This occasion, we had myself, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, Rob Hammerschmidt, and Brianna Kim. On behalf of all of us, we say thank you for watching the Rugby Rant, and we'll see you at the next. And welcome back, rugby fans. Again, this is the Rugby Debate Show. We put ourselves and the guests to the test. However, now we need to be able to talk about our weekly game analysis. Now, this was an interesting one, gentlemen, because we got for the first time to be able to see the uh, cocktail cup that's been colloquially referred to as. Uh, others might refer to it as the Gill Cup. But, of course, who are we talking about? We're talking about the L.A. Giltinis versus the Austin Gilgronis, more commonly referred to as the AGs. So this is really a battle that was inevitable um, when you look at the offense on one side and the defense on another side, that perhaps it was inevitable it was going to be a lower-scoring game, but still was not short of excitement, was not short of some great rugby play. 
And that's what we're going to do over here is kind of dig a little bit deeper into it as we hear from Scott and Rob. But first up, let's hear what Scott has to say. All right, we're still cooking, baby. So I think the the it's funny, the the AG's match kind of as far as the weather, people might not notice it from watching it, but being there, the weather was similar from the match before. So the first half was a dry half. And then as that sun went down, the humidity skyrocketed and the right. ball became wet. And you kind of saw in the second half, the the offense died down. You saw more handling errors on both sides of the ball. Fatigue set in with that humidity. Again. Exactly. So you had fatigue, you had the ball being physically, you know, st- not, you know, slick and wet and then, you know, perspiring players. So it, it kind of, it was a conglomerate to create a second half that wasn't the most exciting, especially when you have the number one offense in LA there. I think they only kicked a, um, a penalty in the second half. Um, and to be honest, I think the AGs, you know, continue to struggle offensively. I don't know what they can do to change that. You know, they're, they're awesome on their set pieces. They're really good at the scrum. They're great at the lineout. They can run a driving mall, a rolling mall, you know, halfway down. But for whatever, whatever reason, they get inside the five meter line and they can't get it done. What I didn't like, what I didn't like, and and what I was, this was debated through the fans, you know, my friends that were watching, um, Rob, Ty, Craig Gridelli, Mike Perazzini, those guys. You know, I said at the end of that first half, why are you kicking for three points? When right. you know you're facing a juggernaut of an offense who already has, I think, I think it was 12 points at that point on them, um, or whatever it was, um, and you because you had a you got all the way down the five meter line and then you got a penalty within the five meter line. Why why were you kicking for points when you had got when you had got there? For me, it's um, confidence. Well, that's the thing is is they were like, oh, you know, oh, but would you rather go away with no points? At that point, I gamble because I know my offense hasn't been doing well. So why shouldn't you gamble and put the five points on the board, hopefully get the seven for the conversion, and go in the sheds with seven points instead of three points when you're already down and you know you're going against the juggernaut of an offense. I think it just came down to the AGs were more conservative when they shouldn't have been in that second half, that last part of the first half, that second half of the first half, we'll call it. Um, And then it kind of between the weather and the through line of their conservative play, they just kind of let it, you know, melt away. Mm-hmm. Well, for, to, as a reminder, for those of you who are watching or listening and not entirely familiar with this game, let me offer you a couple of reminders that uh, LA Giltinis and Austin are both actually owned by the same organization, which is hence their, their Gil connection. But more to the point, their similarities kind of end there. Right, mm-hmm. they're two totally different teams. I don't want anybody to put them in the same bucket because they think they're under the same umbrella. Right, it's not. One is clearly offensive, uh, and we realize that with the points scored and sitting on top of the logs with the LA Giltinis, it's just you know, it's about speed, it's about pace, it's about the inventive nature of those players and experience. Right, experience. Now, it's not to say that on the opposite side, Austin doesn't have the experience. It's they they are the greatest defensive side. And yes, I like what Scott had brought up is what is missing there? I mean, yes, you have the greatest defense. And we all know that a lot of people may subscribe to the theory that the best defense wins the games, right? But is that the style of rugby that is best supported by MLR? I don't have the answer to that, right? But their set plays are good. Their lineouts are solid. Their scrummaging is great. They've got all these right parts, but there's no magic in between, right? They're running crash ball lines too often. There's no inventiveness. Whereas I see on the opposite side from the Giltinis, you see 
uh, you see an inside line. You see a pop on the uh, on, on a cross. You see the scissor uh, players. You see the wraparounds. You see the screen passes. You, you well, see and and things. and the thing and the thing that the Giltinis were doing on offense in this particular match was they were going through the a gap and go or going across the breakdown immediately. You know, you're you can't hurdle a tackler, but if somebody's in the breakdown, as soon as you pick up the ball, there's no breakdown, so you can go over, you can jump over the rock. Right. And if there's nobody there to tackle you, you're not hurdling a tackler. And they had several runs directly over the the former breakdown. And what what I saw on the Austin side, Austin should have done the same thing because LA wasn't contesting anything at the breakdown. LA mm-hmm. knew that if they can set up their defensive line early, they didn't worry about the jackal. They worried about the tackle and the support to not have any holes right. in their to have any gaps, you know, on their defensive line. AGs did not capitalize on bringing the ball and crashing it in on on top of the breakdown, which the which which the Giltinis did. Which could have exposed the gaps. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So let's just talk about the score line for a moment before I hand it over to Rob. So this was a matchup that, uh, like we said before, was kind of deemed the cocktail cup. But more importantly, it was at home for the Austin uh, Gilgronis, the AGs, at Bold Stadium. The final scoreline was 17-3 in favor of the LA Giltinis. With that in mind, let's hand it over to Rob to hear his thoughts about the matchup. So what I was most impressed with on behalf of LA, and by the way, let me take a step back. I think, you know, it's a few weeks back we talked about on the rugby rant, what style defines major league rugby at this point. And it's kind of funny that we talked about that because this game, I would think was emblematic of the differences in our opinions about what style defines the MLR, because I think some of us, you know, said that it was a more open style play. I think we talked about this with Kyle Ferguson from the rugby shop. Um, and, and yet Scott said, well, you know, hold your horses, you know, uh, there's a couple of uh, teams that really, uh, represent more of that Northern hemisphere style of playing. I think we saw these two contrasting styles, uh, this week on, uh, on the same pitch. Um, and, and so let me go to first, I was really impressed with the LA back row. If there is probably one of the best back rows combinations in MLR, you got Angus right. Cottrell, you got, uh, a point of in, and then you've got, um, Adam Ash. Right. And and they just work really well together. And one of the places where I saw it most effective, you see a lot of their forwards are tackling in pairs. So one guy would go low, one guy's high, and immediately that guy's high is is in, in selective places, not all the time, but in selective places, they were then going in for the poach. And they got a number of steals in that way. So I think that was critical to their success. We saw uh, Cottrell offensively pick up, as Scott was talking about, attacking that A-gap, the pick and go through that A-gap. And then he sprung free only to offload to Ryberg. And that was at uh, 36 minutes right there before, um, uh, sorry, at 47 minutes right there after the half started. So um, kudos to LA's back row. One of the other things that I noticed is um, two key players for Austin. Um, one of them got injured at, I think, the 18-minute mark, Michael Duvall. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you saw the scoreline was really close until that time, right? I think it was 0-0 until the 16th Correct. or 17th minute. And I think Correct. right around that time is when Duvall came out of the game. And Michael Duvall, LU product, I think is really, really good at the back row. He's really, really good at the breakdown when they lost him. Uh, I think it hurt their ability to resist that Giltini attack because he really orchestrates that that um, you know rush defense that they have. Right. Um, I think the other guy that really kept them in the game, uh, so kudos to him, is Ruben DeHaas. Um, I, I counted um, his ability to relieve pressure and to put pressure on LA with a box kick. I think he had five or six really strong box kicks 
that achieved one of and those And you know, two. this is a tool that's not being used very well right. across the, well, in my opinion, well, because, not as well as it could be, right? right? Well, because, you know, a lot of the nines lack the skill to be able to do it. Right. right. Well, but yeah, because they haven't been taught to do it. And right, Ruben, right. you know, Ruben, for, for those who don't know, Saracen's product, you know, that this is something the Saracens do. That's their game plan. They're known for doing it. They, they, right. the, they're English kickers. This is what they do, the box kickers. Which almost do- well into the credence that we're saying that Austin more closely resembles a Northern yeah. Hemisphere style of rugby. And before Rob goes on real quick, Rob, I do, I do agree with you that Ruben executed those kicks well, but yeah. I don't think the rest of the team followed up with what they should have done after he kicked it. You mean the chase, right? Well, the supporting lines as yeah. well yeah. and all of that. Right. You know, right. there, there's right. – I mean, that's one half of it, right? I mean, you can execute the kick perfectly every mm-hmm. time, but it is, you know, what is the saying? A kick is only as good as his chase. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I do believe that. Right. Circling back around to the point that you were saying that Giltini's kind of started to open up the score line in the latter part of the of, of the game once I think you mentioned Duval had, had left the pitch, right? Uh, you know, yes, key playmaker, important in the defensive line, kind of a general in his position, but if you look back at many of the matches that have been in the favor of the Giltinis, which of course is most of them, most of the points, like they got to a point where it was a good battle. Like we always talk about Houston Sabercats, we went toe to toe with them. You know, we, we talk about teams that did really well in the first half, maybe even down to the 50th or 60th minute, and then it kind of opened up. And I think it's ultimately is because the guys that they're at the, the, the uh, LA level have been playing much tougher quote-unquote, harder leagues across the globe, and their level of fitness is perhaps a little bit greater than most around the league. So when your legs start to get tired and the fatigue starts to set in or the humidity has a factor or whatever it may be, those 50-50 passes, uh, you know, they're making them and the other team isn't. And and that speaks to my last point. Scott hit, hit the nail on the head with the humidity. The number of mistakes made by LA and coughing up the ball, you know, they're oh more offensive minded, offensive minded team, right? So, you know, do you expect them to always be on attack? Well, they were on the attack, and I think I counted nine times that they knocked the ball on right. in the green zone. And so, you know, with count it up, chalk it up to Austin's really good defense and and resisting the pressure, and the fact that you know the 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 conditions kind of took their toll on the LA attack, right? And- Sorry, and you you saw that pattern as far as um, handling errors in the Rui match. The last seven minutes of the Rui match, when I was there, it started to rain, and it, yeah. you know you, you had that early rain sprinkle, similar to that humidity. And I wonder, in the Houston match, they had the same amount of errors. You know, you were in Texas; it was a night match. I wonder if it, if it was the same pattern of weather, and maybe this is something that LA just hasn't thought of. You know, they got to maybe they have to, you know, it's great to be in California with 70 degrees and sunny all the time, but maybe they have to practice in crappy weather because they're not used to it. Right. Could be a fair point. Um, so, so what you're saying, Scott, is when uh, Nola plays LA in LA, I, I hope it rains. Yeah. Especially <laughs> for, but for Nola, if rain and humidity, man. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, no, 100%. So, gentlemen, where we stand right now is we know that this clearly was another great win for for LA. Um, the defense is unmistakably one of the great strengths for for um, the Gilgronies. However, offense, 
you know, I wonder like, when is it going to click? Is it going to click? But there are much people speculating that this might be a final matchup too. I mean, these teams may have the opportunity to be able to battle each other out for all of it at the end. No, it's semifinal, right? Semifinal, the, sorry, the, you're yeah, right. Semifinal because the so, other team's going to so come from it's the East. still so, yet sure. to be decided, right? Yeah, and sure. and then I guess if, if, if the, the question I'm trying to be able to draw attention to, what does Austin have to do the next time if they meet LA? Well, Rob, you, you got to get. Con- I, I would say you ho- you hope you get Connor Mooneyham back, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's lightning quick. He's devastating. If you get him in open play, he's really effective. Um, so you want to go to the wide channels, um, and and see if you can spring one of your two wings back. Uh, who's the other wing that's really been showing a lot of promise lately in the number fourteen? Okay. Um, what is Roderick? Uh, is it yeah, Roderick, Roderick Waters? Yeah. I mean, here's another athletic American player who can really um, spring it loose. And so yeah. if you get those guys in the, in the, in the wide channels and support them with some forwards that can, you know, turn the ball back into your side and, and keep working those wide channels, um, they might be able to see success. But you're also, they're also not going to have to Haas, right? He, uh, for the timing of it, he wouldn't be. Available. He's only on loan, right? Yeah. For, for a certain time period. So I think by the time the playoffs come, his loan is, is gone. Plus he might be doing uh, national service. service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to add to that point is that there, there needs to be something. There needs to be a spark in offense. But, you know, returning to it, even if Mooneyham is there and you've got Waters on the other side who are both inspiring players and are both more than capable, it, it's, is it enough still? I mean, they've had those guys on the field before and we still saw them with lower scoring numbers. And I'm not. I'm not saying they haven't been effective in their job, but they're the games they even have been the victor has still been lower scoring than in comparison to other MLR games. Yeah, and and you know maybe it's it's tactical on in some games they've won. It's been tactical mistakes on how teams have played. Look at the Rooney match. The amount of conversion uh, penalty kicks they were going after. You know if they if they if they took the penalty and quick tapped or kicked to the corner, they have a rolling mall for a try. All of a sudden, you know Austin might not be winning that match. So. Right, you know, have have not to say that they've been lucky to run into that, but maybe they've run into that more often because of their defense. Right, they've done enough to get the wins, but will it continue to be enough? Correct. Um, and you know, as the teams get more developed, as you know, they they get more continuity. Um, Rob, yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, I I think it's going to be enough for them to be there at the semifinal. I just don't think it's enough for them to beat LA. Right. right. I mean, uh, you know, something short of Matt Gitu. You know, right, so you mean that star cost? I mean, is yeah. that just really the star power we're talking about, or does, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I love to be able to imagine that a team that can work so well together defensively. Obviously, their record is speaks for itself, but what are the components that are missing, and just identify those. And if it is the injection of another spark plug player or a great playmaker that is yet to be revealed you have to get the feeling that it must happen in the next two or three games. Right. Like, um, but as it stands, I mean, their record in defense is, is great, but when you it's up against the best offense in the league, it's just not enough. And, and one, one thing I could add, perhaps somebody at full, if they had a fullback that could, was really more of an attacking full app. I mean, uh, fullback. Right. Like I like Will McGee, but but Will as a great boot. I mean, he put the he put them under pressure. Uh, the Giltis under pressure late in the game. Really re- had a pressure relieving kick, but he's more of a kicking uh, fullback rather than attacking fullback. Perhaps if they had an attacking fullback, um, you know, 
Kurt Morath perhaps back there that might be inspire a little bit more. Um, yeah. In the and attack. it is a possibility because we know that MLR doesn't really quite have a strict trade, uh, 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 you know, window. So players can be uh, brought in. Who knows what their, their their policy may be? Who knows what may come? Uh, as it stands now, we again took the opportunity to be able to run through our thoughts on this matchup that ended up 17-3 in favor of the Giltinis against the Austin Gilgronies at home at Bold Stadium. The next time they meet might very well be in a semi-final position, and we'll see what would have changed, if anything at all. Um, but certainly was an interesting matchup to be able to see these differing styles in MLR and it helped us perhaps settle a debate uh, that we earlier put to, to you as the fans as to what style best represents the MLR. And we saw two great examples of it in this matchup. So, so Ty, if I could yes. just interject, uh, for fans out there watching this coming weekend, uh, we could very well see ATL and the Giltinis who are playing this weekend. That could be the final um, a matchup. Uh, on August 1st. So pay attention to this game. I think it could really tell us a lot about what might happen in the future. Right. Well, may very well happen to be our game of the week then, right? So mm -hmm. it's important to be able to make sure that uh, we take the opportunity to once again, before we head out, remind you that what we do is brought to you with the help of our partners at Rugby Coffee. So go check them out, rugbycoffee.com. They do have their pre-order campaign. And of course, that'll be your opportunity to get those first North American roasts and blends that a piece of each sale will go to helping rugby grow and the youth of, uh, of rugby across the US and Canada. And of course, make sure that you go and get your gear, your merch and everything else that you need as a fan from shopmlr.com, powered by our friends at therugbyshop.com. Gentlemen, it has been another phenomenal debate and we, of course, have taken the time to talk about this. We'll continue to be able to share with you as a fan all of what we have come to learn about MLR as we debated on this format here on the Rugby Rant Pod. And you can follow us on social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or TikTok under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and Rob, the hammer Hammerschmidt. We thank you for watching this episode of the Rugby Rant, and we will see you at the next. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.